Welcome back. Pastor Scott again. It's just been amazing how, how time has flown this year. And, and I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for your being faithful and watching. And hopefully the content has been helpful in building your life and you're becoming more and more like Jesus every day because we exist to build lives all for Jesus. That's why we exist. And it's talking about your life and my life that we can live life differently. We can live, literally live heaven before we get to heaven. We can live heaven on earth as this life is preparation for the next life. Now today we're going to talk about, continue talking about being thankful. Thankful for God's Peace. Peace is a precious thing. When we have peace, some people define peace as the absence of conflict. If there's no conflict, we're at peace. And I think that's probably pretty accurate, but I have a hard time thinking of a time when I didn't live with some kind of conflict, whether it was external conflict, the conflict of culture, the conflict of relationships, our internal conflict, the conflict of anxiety or doubt or discouragement, those things. But is it the absence. Now, peace, however, peace is more than just the absence of conflict. The Jewish people had a word they used for peace called shalom. Shalom. And you've probably heard people say shalom, or you see t-shirts says shalom y'all. Uh, when I go to Israel, I like to have that shirt because it kind of gives it the, the cool colloquialism and the Hebrews look at you like, okay, dorky American. But anyway, shalom. What shalom means this is shalom means a place of total ease free from stress and strife and conflict. It means the bliss of God. That's what shalom means. That you're living such in the presence of God. There's no stress, no anxiety, no worry, at ease, at peace. It's the best word picture is a baby child in the arm of its mother. That's that peace that comes. Now, they use this word as a greeting, as a blessing, as a, a, a benediction. They use this word because they want to live in shalom. Uh, the Islamic people have a, another word that's, that's similar in that kind of origins, and they got it from the Jewish people. But the Jewish people really want to live in that shalom. A peace, I want to tell you something, peace is a good thing. Good thing. I want peace in my relationships. I want peace in my community. I would love to see peace in the political nonsense in the United States today. Would it be great if we just had some peace? I want peace in the world. Peace in the world. And the good news is God wants to give you his peace. His peace. Jesus said it this way. Peace I leave with you. My, my peace I give to you. Do not, I do not give you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. The peace God gives you is not tied to circumstances or feelings or emotions. He holds us in perfect peace. The prophet Isaiah said this, He will keep the mind that is dependent on you, the Lord, in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you, in the Lord. Wow. And you will keep the mind. That means God will keep the mind that is dependent on God in perfect peace. For that mind is trusting in the Lord. Man, there are seasons we all endure when we really need God's peace. Whew, I've often said that I can endure anything if I know that God is with me and I have his peace. Here in Romans 5, God reveals his peace in various ways to us. And he shows us three big truths, and I want to give those to you and talk about them. We are helpless without peace. 
We are rescued to live in peace. And finally, we have the peace with God that gives us the ability to face anything. To face anything. Father, thank you for what you want to say to us this morning or this afternoon or wherever folks are tuning in. And I pray, O oh God, that you will speak your peace to us. Not my words, but yours. Not a borrowed, manufactured, saccharine, fake, artificial peace, but the real peace that passes understanding that will inhabit our hearts and our minds because we're trusting in you. And I thank you for what you're going to say. And I pray this all in your son's strong name. Amen. Let me pick up our reading out of Romans 5. And this is going to be our last talk out of Romans 5. And next week, we're going to look at Romans 8. So look forward to that. Here it is. For while we are still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's you and me. We are the ungodly. Christ died for us. For rarely will someone die for a just person. Though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare die. But God proves his own love for us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And how much more then, since we have been justified by his blood, we've been saved through him from wrath, for if while we were his enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, will be saved by his life? And not only that, we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through, through him now we've received reconciliation. Now, this all ties back to verse 1. It said, we have peace with God. Now, let's talk about this. We are totally helpless without peace. When we live in a life of turmoil and conflict, and some of you watching do, you live in constant drama and turmoil and conflict. Some of you love it. You love drama. Facebook is the best thing in the world for you because you can borrow drama from everybody else. You know what? That's really not healthy. But we all live in that state, and if you love drama, man, come to Jesus and get over that because we ain't got no time for that. But here's, here's the truth that God wants you to grab, that we're helpless without peace. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. goes right back to, to verse 1. We're helpless to make peace with God on our own initiative. What? God extends peace to us. And this is a big deal. That somehow we think that we have to engage God to get his peace when he literally has made the first move and engaged us to give us peace. Listen to what 1 John said. And we have come to know that, and to believe that the love of God, the, the love God has for us. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God. And God remains in him. And this love is made complete with him so that we have confidence in the day of judgment because it is he who also because as he is, so also we are in this world. And there's no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. Because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. And we love because he, God, first loved us. God made the first move. I get this. When it came to the courtship of my wonderful wife, Tara... I made the first move. I'm the one who initiated it. Now, she might have been over in the corner batting her eyes and looking look at this huck, huck, burning love, but the truth is I had to initiate. And in fact, the truth is she never batted her eyes and looked at this huck, huck, burning love. She didn't even know I existed until I started pursuing. 
you know what? That's the same way with me and God. I really didn't know he existed until he started pursuing. And we made himself known. And he drew me with loving kindness. He wooed me and brought me to himself. Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. You are the ungodly. I am the ungodly. One of the greatest revelations of my life is that I realized I needed a Savior. I needed God. God is chasing me and you in order to do this, to give us peace. Reconciling me to himself and giving me peace to live in this broken world. The Holy Spirit of God reveals your need and the death of Jesus paid for your need and the grace of God is extended to meet your need and your need was peace with God. That's pretty dadgum cool. God's peace is not earned or deserved. It is the gift of God. For you've been saved by grace through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not from works, so that no one can boast. Now, because I've been rescued by God, I've been given God, so I've been rescued so that I can live in the peace of God. It's not an event that just makes me right with God and he leaves me there, but it's this event of, of being made right with God and have peace with God so I can live in the permanency of that peace, that I live now in a peaceful place with a peace-giving person with purpose of giving peace to others. Now, Paul builds a case in Romans like a lawyer might to show us how much God loves us and, how, and his desire for us to live in peace. Paul says this, someone might die for a good person, but here's the problem. They ain't no good people. Listen to what he says earlier. And it's written, there's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. <clears throat> all have turned away. All are alike have become worthless. There's no one who does what is good, not even one. Okay. Why do good things, why do bad things happen to good people? Because there's no good people. We all need saving. It's the, the theological term is called total depravity. We are far away from God. But God brings us into relationship with him because he loves us and he saves us. We do not become good on our own. We become good because God gives us his goodness. Any good that I have is not from me, it's from God. Any righteousness I have is not self-righteousness, for that is a lie. I have God's righteousness that is a gift. That's amazing to me. God showed his love. God proves his love for us, and while we were sinners, Christ died. It says that in the passage we just read. Now, going back to verse 1, we see the results of peace with God by the death of Jesus. Now, look at this. But the counselor of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I told you. Peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled or be fearful. There's no living in peace without the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Had he not died, then the Holy Spirit would not have come to give you his peace. Peace is poured out in our lives and in our hearts as we trust in Jesus, and then our lives are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And when I have peace with God, I can face anything. Anything. Hmm. 
All fear is gone because I know he holds the future. And I can live a life just because Christ lives. Listen to this. How much more then, since we've been justified by his blood, that we're saved through him from the wrath? For it is while we were sinners, we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received this reconciliation. Now listen, I've been saved from the wrath of God. The wrath of God was satisfied on the cross of Christ. God is no longer mad at me. Oh, huh. Now, because I've been saved from the wrath of God, my future is secure because future wrath, and I'm saved from that future wrath, and I'm saved from the present circumstances of the wrath of God. God is not a punishing God, but he's a loving father who corrects and guides us. His peace holds me when I face the trials, even when he's correcting me. Listen what the author of Hebrews says. Endure suffering as a discipline. God is dealing with you as a son. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you're without discipline, which all receive, then you're illegitimate children and not sons. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by this. Notice this phrase, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. God wants me to live in the perfection of his peace, which is a result of being made right with him. Even when I face hardships or correction, God's peace is present. The final conversation I had with my father-in-law, Jim Ivey, in 1995, it was... May of 1995. He died in July of 1995. Last time I saw him, he grabbed my arm. He said, Scott, you're mad at God, aren't you? I said, yep, Jim, I am. Because I don't want you to die. I want you to live to know my children. Caleb and Kayla were little. I want you to live. And he said, Scott, don't be mad at God. I would go through this again to know Jesus like I know him now. Peace in spite of the end-of-life circumstances. Tara went back and she cared for Jim while he was in the last days helping her mother, helping her mother Betty and helping with Jim. Betty and Jim are both with the Lord now in perfect health and in perfect peace in the perfect place of heaven. And she said right before Jim died, he saw heaven. He said the peace just flooded his heart and he wasn't afraid. Right before my father died, he said, it ain't nothing but a little dying because the peace of God flooded his heart. I remember one occasion I was called to the hospital with a lady who was dying and her family was surrounding her and, and she still was lucid and able to talk. And, and, and I asked her, I said, Donna, do you want me to pray with you? And she said, yes, pastor. And I started praying, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place, I will come again and receive you. And where I am, you will be also. And she passed away during that prayer. And the peace of God that passes all understanding, in spite of what could consider the trials of God or the correction of God, was swallowed up in the peace of God. And that's how Jesus wants you to live, in that peace. I've held the hand and the hearts 
of those sobbing in parking lots looking for peace. I've held the hands of those sitting in my office watching their marriage be reconciled and peace come into rule and reign over the dysfunctions of, of choices and drama. I've walked through the valley of shadow of death and I will fear no evil because I realize that in the shadow of death there has to be a light to be a shadow and that light is the light of the world East King Jesus. Even though I may be overcome overwhelmed and overcome by the clouds of doubt the light of God brings his presence over me. That's the peace of God. I give thanks for it. Wow. Paul said it this way. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds as you trust in Jesus. Peace guards our heart, our emotions. Peace guards our minds, our thinking. And that peace is contagious. It only comes from God. When my life is lived in peace, I become contagious all for Jesus. Peace only comes from God. It will never come from money, fame, or other circumstances. It comes from Jesus. Jesus died to save you, to preserve you from the wrath of God, and to give you his peace. And I just want to give thanks. Thank you, God. Thank you. You know, we, we send out scripture readings every week and various one of us will record and we'll send it out to you. If you don't get that, then go on our website and sign up for it. It's a script daily scripture. And um, Tom Crick, he puts those scriptures together. He's our executive pastor. And uh, Tom sent me one for Thanksgiving and he said, you choose, you choose. And that's this week. In fact, it's coming out on Thursday of this week. If you sign up, you'll get me reading the scripture. But I love what it says. It's in Zephaniah. Now, only me would pick a passage in Zephaniah, but I want to be congruent with what I'm teaching here and what you're going to hear later. Listen, the Lord your God is among you. The Lord your God is among you, a warrior who saves. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will, and he will be quiet in his love. He will delight in you with singing. When my children were little, I'd rock them and I'd sing to them. My grandchildren, I'll sing to them what my mama used to sing over me, this old song called The Gray Goose. But right now, I hear Jesus singing over me and over you how he loves us and he cares for us and he gives us his peace. Be thankful. Be thankful. Father, thank you. As I say well, so often, you love us with a love that will not let us go. And that is such a, not just some idiomatic phrase that a preacher pontificates, but Father, the truth is that you give us peace with yourself through Jesus Christ. And in that peace, we have power to really live our lives. The peace for today, the promise of tomorrow, that we'll have peace with you forever and ever and ever. Father, I pray specifically for those who are listening online today that need to give their life to you, that they will whisper this, Jesus, I'm yours. Give me your peace 
by making me right with you right now. Believing in my heart, Jesus. Confessing in my mouth that you're Lord. Jesus, I'm yours. And Father, those who've prayed that prayer with well before, to be reminded that we live in the hands of a holy God. We pray this in your name. Amen. You're going to listen to this last song about Thanksgiving, and we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving here in the United States at the end of the week. And I pray that you'll just be full of God's grace, full of God's mercy, full of God's love, full of God's peace as we give thanks to our Lord who is so good. Hey, if you're watching and you trusted Christ today, let us send you a gift. Just raise your hand, and Pastor Scott will get you information, and uh, Pastor Scott Tidwell, and, and he will get you some, some information to you. We'd like to give you a gift. We'd like to send you a T-shirt or other things you'd like to have that reminds you that First Baptist Church of Wimberley, Texas, loves you, and we're in this together. No matter where you are, you belong to the family of God, and you belong with us. I love you, and I'm thankful for you. Happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next week as we're thankful for God's acceptance. See you soon.